Hello, this is Peter Davison. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 468 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we've been assembled for a game. Most of us will die, but to the winner, everlasting callback references. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, we spin back the classic rewatch to the 20th anniversary special story, The Five Doctors. It's a return tour of Gallifrey, and we're getting the band back together. The story hits the ground running, with four of the five known incarnations of the Doctor being scooped, literally out of their time streams, and dropped in a barren landscape. Some have companions in tow, like Susan Foreman with the First Doctor, the Brigadier with Second, Sarah Jane with Third, and our current Tegan and Turlow in the TARDIS itself. Something erratic happens with the Fourth, leaving him somewhere in the vortex. When even the Master, Daleks, and Cyberman get assembled as well, we soon learn that we are on Gallifrey in a place known as the Death Zone, originally devised for the Game of Rassilon. It was done away with, but not without its rumors, including the idea that the winner could claim immortality. Well, that's appealing to a number of individuals, but not just the master, as you would expect. In fact, there are some hijinks within the Gallifreyan High Council itself that the Doctor, uh, all of them, will have to suss out if they want to avert disaster and get returned home. this bit mean? To lose is to win, and he who wins shall lose. I know what it says. What does it mean? It also promises that whoever takes the ring from Rassilon's hand and puts it on shall get the reward he seeks. What reward? Immortality. But live forever, never die. That is what the word means, young man. But that's impossible. Apparently not. It seems Rassilon possesses it now and is willing to share it with whoever takes the ring. Thank you, gentlemen. That is exactly what I needed to know. The story is pulling double duty here, being a celebratory walk down memory lane while also being a compelling adventure. How does it do on both fronts? Yeah, honestly, I felt like this, it, it really did a good job of, of kind of like putting the story at the forefront and then the 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 references and stuff kind of just as they were needed to serve the story almost like it it didn't feel like they were cramming a story in to an excuse to have multiple doctors together like it it seemed like it was a legit reason and i think some of the most fun parts of it are when you see references for each doctor and i think that's a tribute to how well each doctor ha- really had their own things that made them special. So you see the car when you see third doctor come up and then second starts pulling stuff out of his pockets. And Mm -hmm. so to Jay's point, I think it really 
allowed the story to be its own thing with all of these references because you're able to put each of them in a place and give them their thing that made it like, ha and everybody's clapping to themselves and trying not to right. squee too much. Especially now, looking at this, if you're if you're placing this in 1984, you've got target novelizations and and book forms that are that have been allowing Terrence Dix as your writer, in particular, to be able to really work the story um, uh, from the inside out. He knows these characters implicitly, and he's also written scripts for a number of them, uh, both televised and working their characters in a, in a longer format for the novels. So that's something where you know the story is not going to, Jay, to your point, the story is not going to suffer as a result of being fan fluff first. Um, it certainly has its fluff, oh, yeah. but it's it's enjoyable fluff that is there to make the story that that I would say, you know, shines on its own, um, become something that is also just a gift back to the viewers who have been uh, uh, staying with this program uh, since 63. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was a new character introduced in this story, was there? It's all existing characters. Yeah, even down to the council members. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that really helped because a lot of times, even in modern Who stories, like you have to spend a lot of time introducing like the companions of the week, the characters of the week. This one just got to spend all the time doing story and reacquainting us with the characters we already knew. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny with my first experience of some of the earlier doctors interacting with newer companions kind of comes out in this too. So you see the first doctor interact with Tegan a little bit. And that was a really funny moment for me because you got the like, "Mm, get us uh, refreshments over here. And he kind of, you know, even when we saw the most recent one where he did a little bit of that and a little bit of fan pushback, but it was, Eh, that's who he was. You can't take him out of time completely and not get that. Well, and the fact that the the fifth doctor was there to be like, yeah, no, it's it's okay. Turlo's going to help us out here, and like, you know, like even recognizing then that you know it's kind of like ah, that's probably not the best thing. So that it was handled really well. And mm-hmm. I I feel like we got that in the most recent uh, special too. There was mm-hmm. a little bit of temperance from the. Oh, twice upon a time, yeah. When when Bill Potts is doing the uh, try, <laughs> yeah. trying to react to a to a very hard no, hard no, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think twelve gave a little bit of temperance, right? It was like it's yeah. just I, you know, I come. It's my background. It's who I was. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and that that is really something special. Seeing the the interplay between them is is really, I guess, in a way, it's like being able to understand the uniqueness based on their proximity and contrast. So you enjoy each of the iterations for what they are, but when you get to see them uh, playing immediately against either where they headed next or how far they go from, you know, first to fifth or second to to fifth and things like that, it stands out that much more. It kind of makes you appreciate them that much more. Even in how they get into the whole palace, right? Or the tower. (laughs) Oh, sure. So Yeah, the different approaches. Yeah, yeah, down in the dark, singing a little song to himself versus sliding in across oh, yeah. the top. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very James Bondy kind of. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, was Tom Baker like not really available to record? Was that archival footage? That was footage. For his part. Yeah, it was a scene that was originally shot for Shada. Yeah, I think okay. I recognized the outfits for that. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I yeah. thought so. That's the set it looked like and stuff. He declined to be a part of it. Yeah, as is 
Tom Baker style. Yeah. So. How, do you think he kicks himself for that? Or do you think he's like, nope, made the right choice? Uh, I don't think he would. It's a, you know, he kind of stands by his decisions. Yeah, I don't necessarily think he kicks himself for it, but he did. I mean, he did deign to grace us with his presence for the 50th. So clearly there was a turn, you know, a change of heart at some point in the intervening 30 years. But mm-hmm. we'll deal with something similar. You know, we'll have to see who chooses and who doesn't. Choose. I mean, we have the same conversation about, you know, Eccleston, Eccleston. saying that he's not going to be part of the 60th and that sort of thing. So, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. When people watch that 30 years from now, they'll be like, do you think he came back on that? Mm-hmm. Thought? <laughs> right. <laughs> He's saving it for the 75th. Yeah. <laughs> right. Please let us still be having this conversation in 30 years about how this show is doing. And we'll all be so old we won't remember. And we'll be like, Doctor, oh, what? how do you think he thought about it? This is the first time we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so you could you could probably keep a, a tally uh, of all the references and callbacks that Terrence Dix works into the script here. So if you had to choose the, the ones that either entertained you the most or spurred the strongest emotions what would it have been i i'll start i i really liked the brig being the one that knew everybody like this isn't his first time meeting anybody except uh the first doctor the, so. yeah the first doctor and susan yeah but even that uh is handled in in true brig fashion i mean he is absolutely the the comedic uh, element in this because he is constantly getting kind of pushed aside and things, despite the fact that he is the connective tissue. Yeah. Um, and and I think he he is yeah. The uh, brig reactions are actually the the repeated line of "splendid chap, all of them" mm-hmm. is probably my emotional buy-in on this story. Um, as yeah. far as moments that just really kind of tickle me on this watching anytime you're going to show me Patrick Troughton in a full run. You got me, baby. True. That's it. Twice. He ran at us and then he ran away. (laughs) Pulling who knows what out of his pockets and just handing them the brig. This thing. No, this thing. No, an apple. No, this, I mean, this special also made it very obvious just how short the companions they got for him were. (laughs) True. Yes. Yeah. They even put them up on steps. That's true. Yeah. No. and, And I will say that when, when Jamie and Zoe showed up, that was one of those moments that I was just like, oh, oh, it just got me in the feels. But mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest one it, it probably would have been uh, when Sarah Jane first showed up. But that's more just because Liz Slayton than the actual story being told. Yeah. Well, since Jay took mine, um, <laughs> I, I was going to jokingly go with the bubble wrap. Uh, for yeah, Zoe's bubble, <laughs> Zoe's wrap, bubble uh, wrap dress thing. Um, so seriously, though, I will go with the car because when that oh, when he when yeah when uh, when third just rolled onto the screen, I was like, oh. And then I was a little sad when the minifigure didn't have the car. And then when he gets placed there, the car's back again. I was like, oh, okay. All is right with this episode. I can continue to watch now. Yeah, she got a little worried. She's like, wait a minute. Don't we have a mini Bessie? You can't, you can't time scoop and not include that. But I, yeah. So yeah, no mini, but the car made it. So I'm mm. okay with it. I got to say, um, it's not necessarily a reference thing, but something that I continually enjoy in this one, this is a story where uh, Anthony Ainley kills it. Oh, yeah. He is freaking fantastic in this story, start to finish. He is mm-hmm. just reveling in being as villainous as he wants, and yet he's still not the one in trouble. 
<laughs> and and he's loving it. And yeah. and that the doctor doesn't trust him at every step, and he still just kind of keeps going, yep. keeps on walking up to it. I I do have to say, like before we started this rewatch, anytime I saw Ainley, it was like, oh well, he's no Delgado. But the more I watch this, like in order, the more I am appreciating everything he bought brought to the role. Like I mean, there's something about Delgado just being the original, but. Man, I'm I'm like on the fence about saying I, I might like Ainley better. Well, Delgado is clearly the villainous master, mm-hmm. but I, you, I I give credit to Ainley for being the origin of the frenemy relationship and really yeah. <laughs> making that something viable and saying no, he 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 loves to be hated and he hates to be loved and but there's there's something else in there too. You know, oh, we're old friends from from the academy, yeah. <laughs> and or his, his line about you know being able to kill the doctor three times is finally what's going to make it good enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that he's the epitome of that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you could always point to that and say he does everything he can do to thwart, but also and be the so also to thwart and to be the bad guy, but then also to immediately drop it and be like, no, I'm here to help you. And I'm going to kill all these guys. But this was an okay thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So as a modern era viewer, looking at how things were canon in 1984 and how they map against what we know and understand about the program now, does everything line up comfortably or were there continuity quirks that risked pulling you out of the viewing? There there was something where I was like, wait a minute, but it... It clearly did not stick in my head long enough for me to actually make note of it. So I don't remember what it was. Yeah. And it clearly wasn't that big a problem. The only thing <laughs> that bugged me a little bit had nothing to do with continuity. So I, I don't I don't even remember thinking anything about continuity while watching it. Okay. I noticed that the discussions about regeneration were poignant, mm. but... I didn't care because to me, I was listening to it as sort of the plot point that it was, like the reason why, and not listening to the science behind you only get so many. And mm-hmm. I don't think they went into too many details to pull me out of it. I just was like, oh, oh they talked about it. Oh, you mean at the point where they're offering the master a new set of regenerations? No. So the point where uh, the... The what? Lord President was saying that he would have an infinite number by having the ring and that he would be able to regenerate whenever he wanted forever because he would be immortal. Right. So that part of it, but I'm kind of compared to offering, at that point, I thought they were just having a conversation where they were going to force him to regenerate to hope to wash him of his sins. It was, that's what I thought of that. Not necessarily. If that's all it took. Like, that's right? what I thought that one was. Yeah, that was like a, we'll offer you this regeneration for free. <laughs> but really, we're hoping that you'll be a different person next. Yeah. Again, that scene with Ainley at the head of the table there, just, just being allowed in the room and just that mm. that cat ate the canary grin on his face. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, his no, mouth so good. moves so much. <laughs> yes. And like, yeah. Each one of his so teeth emote. emotes. <laughs> I will say one thing. I, again, I don't know if it's about continuity, but the Cybermen blowing up, I think would have been 
we've never seen that kind of destruction that was particularly graphic it was graphic for the show in general even up to the present day but then i also think how much fun did the people who got to do that i bet it was like the ones who built them and they're like yes i get to finally blow them up Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and and a dalek blowing open to provide the uh squiggly squid inside Mm mm-hmm so many tubes. <laughs> so many tubes. <laughs> yeah. There's just a lot of attention, a lot of attention to detail in this. Um, this was really a labor of love, and you could tell, you know, it just it oh, yeah. poured right off the screen. Um, I I mean, I know the it, it has become a trope at this point to have the first doctor refer to himself as the original, you might say. But mm-hmm. but even now, you know, in light of the, the a timeless child consideration, you think, well... Then there, there must just be something in between there that uh, that that the Hartnell Doctor, if we, we can't necessarily call him the first now, or if you really want to be you know pedantic about it, but just wasn't aware, believed themselves to be the first or something. So it well, all kind of he's the first, itself. but someone else is the zero. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're working on a zero base <laughs> counting system. There's, there's right. a negative list of doctors. There, yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of like you know the BC. Like, <laughs> right. You, know, you have the you have the zero doctor, and everything past that just goes in opposite anyway. But it's BH before Hartnell. AH <laughs> after Hartnell. I would say, as far as the um, it, it, and it isn't a continuity thing. I think it was just an execution thing. But they they had to work with what they did. Uh, and uh, Julie, I know it kind of tripped you up too. Was the um the puzzle room and figuring out how to hop pie across the electric field. So mm-hmm. what, yeah. that's the thing that bothered me is like once all the Cybermen were like laying on the grid, shouldn't it have just stayed active because they were on triggering squares? Unless they just uh, wound out the capacitors and now at this point, <laughs> yeah, it's honest, just a dead Then field. the doctor didn't need a hopscotch. Yeah, I honestly yeah. thought it was going to be the fact that they were made of metal because the coins triggered it. The master did not. He is made of carbons. And then the Cybermen are made of metals. And then the master again, the doctor again, again, carbons. So yeah. that's my theory. And so, it's less about yeah. the other. And the pie would be just the ones who would eat pie and not necessarily. Well, you're really leaning hard into this, aren't you? So he misunderstood the riddle, but it still worked out. Yeah, exactly. It's just a good thing the master wasn't wearing his tap shoes that day. <laughs> right. That's but he's all. not completely made of metal. He still had buttons on. <laughs> so right. it's the the majority metal creatures. Mm. And though uh, we're most familiar uh, with this being done in, in recent memory uh, uh, with David Bradley portraying William Hartnell, this was about nine years after the, the passing uh, of Hartnell. So uh, Richard Herndall steps in for what you have to say is is a, both a respectful and a commendable portrayal. Um, sort mm-hmm. of, uh, as I think Bradley did, sort of rounding the corners a little bit um, on on the original very Hartnell Hartnell, yeah. but but being true to, to, to a lot of the mannerisms. Yeah, I, I feel like if it were Hartnell, we would have gotten a different performance because he would have he would have leaned into it where Herndl really kind of like kept a lot of that, but gave us the the lens of nostalgia over it so that it wasn't as brusque and it, mm. it worked really well. And especially uh, being able to see that work with Carol Ann Ford there to sort of just round out 
the yeah. nostalgic factor of it, uh, it just landed really, really well. I mean, we got our chance, um, you know, in the in the Three Doctors to have Hartnell on screen. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's sort of on screen. It was the pulp right. projection <laughs> on screen, but, on screen. Yes, on screen, on screen. Yes, it was, it was two Inception layers deep, but but nonetheless, I mean, that's that that was our our gift for the era. But uh, mm-hmm. but in this particular case, you know, we're looking at this now. Um, you know, within all right, maybe not within a calendar year, but within the 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 bracket of a year twenty two to twenty three, <laughs> with the sixtieth anniversary being on the horizon. So, what would you consider to be the key takeaway here as to how? these sort of uh, anniversary stories can be handled in a way that honors the past while still serving what you expect to be the future of the program. I, I think that the, the big thing is story comes first and make it a love letter. I mean, that that's the mm. big thing is because you can, you can tell that this really was a love letter from everyone involved to everything that had come previously, but it wasn't, you know, all fan service. It was, there was a solid story here that, that really was entertaining to watch. So it's, you kind of have to have that balance there. And it, I think it'll work great if they can pull that off. And at the end, we've got some threads that are going to carry forward into whatever comes next in the show, which I don't Mm -hmm. know what that is. Right. I'd say that they need to let each doctor's character shine for what their value is. If the goal is to have multiple doctors involved. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not about multiple doctors, then whoever is involved, to Jay's point, make sure that everyone is highlighted for what their qualities are, but make sure that the story is the key. Yeah. Yeah. Completely because, agree. I mean, that's kind of good storytelling and writing in general. So, uh, yeah. but I think it, it has to be the focus. Otherwise, if it's just one, two, one, two, here's a joke, here's something that reminds you of why you're here, then it doesn't carry the weight all the way through and you lose sight of the whole purpose of why are we doing this? We we want an actual story and not a clip show. Yeah. Yeah, We can get clip shows, we go watch it. (laughs) Yeah, if that's going to be the case, yeah, go ahead and give us a clip show and then for 30 minutes sit down with all of the, the returning actors who are willing to do so, put them on a big panel, and and let him have a little, you know, a, a little retrospective conversation, you know, sort of the the ultimate con panel kind of thing. <laughs> Didn't they do that for the fiftieth? They had little snippets of each doctor and their highlights and things like that that were sort of released. Oh well, yeah, well they, they did the, the confidential. Like, do it that do that again, and then they just might. give us a story. The, I I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I mean, with Russell at the helm, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something where in the lead up. Uh, they do similarly to what they did, uh, yeah, for the 50th, where it was like they were, what, eight minutes long? Mm-hmm. And each one was just sort of a primer about, you know, here's what you really should know about first Doctor Second. And not, and not just yeah. the not just the the actor and the iteration, but what the entire era was really about. Who were their yeah. key companions? What were some of the most important things that happened during their uh, their turn? Do that you know, for our current new, new Who, because uh, we haven't yeah, seen that. Yeah, take it all the yeah. way up to present, yeah. Or yeah, start true. there, because we've got the history. Mm, true. Mm-hmm. So. Next time, we're going to be back with uh, with our Sarah Jane rewatch for the, the first part of uh, season two, The Last Santaran. Yes, well, the spoilers right there in the title, because you always call something the last. Mm-hmm. Never really the last. 
Well, we got a lot last of last. Dalek was Maybe he was just the, the last one to get off the bus. <laughs> right. Well, it's Centauran, so you just dig them up out of the ground. Because oh. they're potatoes. Yeah, all right. So everybody uh, you got two weeks warning that Julie's going to be writing down endless spud puns. <laughs> Yep, get ready for your uh, your GPR drinking game now, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You could have just l- not said anything about it and edited my comment out. No, we're going to leave it in <laughs> there. It's fair. I think they deserve to be warned. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, this has been episode 468 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next week, this is Jay saying, you know, I love it when I can all get together. Like, it's such a great time, except when I show up. Man, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> And this is Kier saying, I'm about to exit the podcast studio by leaping up in the air and boinking right out of the room. (laughs) This is Julie saying, get your vodka ready for next time. Potato vodka. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Haley saying, I actually have a drinking game for this now. Every time there's an of Razalon uttered, you drink. (laughs) That's dangerous. The the stomach pump of Razalon. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Amazie. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR. And you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Copyright 2022. See you next week.